listeners, and welcome to the Zero to 100 podcast, where the only thing hotter than the topics we discuss are the takes we bring to the debate desk. Zero to 100 is hosted by your favorite and OG members of the NWO, Alex Crescenti, Eric Padilla, and Zach DeSalvo. Today, we continue to discuss The Last Dance, give you our top 10 NFL teams, and cover a few other top fives as we enter list season. Let's get after it. Parts three and four of The Last Dance premiered last Sunday, and fans got insight into more characters in the cast, like Dennis Rodman, Phil Jackson, and also got to see the Bulls finally get past their rivals, the bad boy Detroit Pistons. What did you think of parts three and four, Sandy? I had heard going into that that this was going to be the part of the documentary that maybe was kind of the least interesting. Obviously, it culminated with a championship at the end there that you saw, but... The whole Rodman thing, it was like, okay, I don't think there was anything I learned that I didn't know before. I mean, there's a couple things, but I'm like, okay, Dennis Rodman was this outspoken personality and had a lot of tattoos and had strange hair and all this. But I'm like, okay, what did I actually learn and uh, take from that? I mean, there's a couple cool insight stories that we didn't know about, especially with the Vegas trip. But other than that, I'm like, okay, it was, it was entertaining, but maybe not as good as one and two. Uh, The Pistons look into how that rivalry evolved over the years. That was maybe an interesting part for me, seeing just how just brutal they used to play and what it actually took to beat this team, how physical of a game it was. And like I said, it's a different era than what's played now, but what MJ and the Bulls had to build to beat that team and get over that hump you see it a lot of times in sports, you know, beating your your rivals through the years. And then once you beat them, you own them. And that's basically what happened. But I thought, I thought it was good, but I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. I think all of us have seen the, the bad boys documentary too. So I feel like we, we already knew a lot of that kind of Robin. So Padilla, what do you think? Um, I was going to kind of disagree with Crescenti because I feel like, did you watch the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30 Crescenti? I didn't see the bad boys or the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30. Oh, really? So with that, yeah. So with that, um, saying that you kind of knew a little bit about Dennis Rodman, I mean, yeah, you knew he was kind of, he was kind of wild, had the colorful hair, kind of, he wore the wedding dress, did all that kind of weird stuff. But um, you kind of see in this, uh, these episodes of three and four, you like, it kind of starts off with Rodman being kind of detained by the police because he passed out in his truck with a shotgun sitting right next to him with that Dennis Rodman 30 for 30. You kind of understand basically everything leading up to that. Just basically his, his childhood, him growing up, just kind of all the different things that he kind of went through. So for me, uh, seeing these episodes, I wasn't surprised at all with the Dennis Rodman part. Like the, like you said, the crazy stories, him with Carmen Electra going to Vegas, Given like going to Vegas for two days that Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan let him go do, and then obviously he doesn't come back. Like I was not aware of that at all. Basically, just the type of player he was. Um, obviously, we kind of knew all that kind of stuff, but for me at least, I thought these episodes are just they just keep building. I feel like they keep getting better and better. We kind of got to see a little bit of that Bad Boys um, stuff. I mean, if you saw the Bad Boys documentary. It's basic. It's really similar, but now it's more into the bulls, the bulls' eyes, and basically like Michael Jordan's perspective. 
and with that, it, it's just crazy. That was that one episode about the Bad Boys Pistons. It brought back drama from the late '80s and the early '90s. So, so you got to say those episodes had to be really good for that stuff to happen. Yeah, I thought also the uh, the part that I really thought was interesting was a lot of the. I mean, it seems like they're almost giving each kind of key member of this team their own little spotlight in every episode. So I think it was the fourth one that really dove into Phil Jackson. Um, and I really enjoyed that one too, because the guy is just, you know, first of all, by far the, probably the greatest coach of all time. And um, to do what he's done with multiple dynasties was pretty crazy. But I think it's kind of cool to get that insight into Phil and how he was such like a, like a Zen coach to be able to let these players kind of do whatever and not, um, you know, try and control these crazy personalities and kind of just like, go with the flow and, and end up really working out for them. Um, and I am always surprised to like the thing that really stands out to me too, is it's crazy that with, you know, when you look at like a Tom Brady, how much of the, well, how much credit does Belichick get for his championships? It's, it's crazy to me that you never get any of that with Phil Jackson with either Michael or with Kobe. Um, just with him, you know, his system clearly being a huge part of what helped them get over the hump. I thought that was really interesting too. Oh yeah, with those. I mean, you hear a little, a few yeah. people saying like, "Oh yeah, Phil Jackson was definitely gifted having Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, and then Shaq and Kobe, Kobe and Paul Gasol." Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was gifted with those great players, but well, not that so not that he was gifted, yeah. but that he like that um, that he should like that he doesn't get enough credit. I'm surprised we don't hear oh, more yeah. of that because we because oh, yeah, yeah that's what we always do here is that oh yeah, well Phil Jackson was lucky that he got to coach Michael and Kobe, but it's, it's never, you never really hear the other way around, which is surprising to me. Oh yeah. And it's yeah, insane it's too, that he used, uh, he used the same offense, that triangle offense right. from when he was with the Bulls all the way till he ended with the Lakers. And then you saw him try to implement that kind of in, in New York and it completely failed. Yeah. So you obviously got to have the right players for that system he was obviously, like you said, he was Zen. He was really relaxed kind of person. I mean, I read his book. Uh, I mean, at least half of his book and uh, <laughs> everything I kind of saw in that episode of him talking about, he spoke about in his book and just being really into tranquility, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was really surprised um, that he was so successful with that Bulls team. And I guess the Lakers too, with how much of a relaxed person he kind of was and, having those like big egos on those teams and having to deal with all that kind of stuff that he was able to kind of like keep all that stuff inside and still come out victorious. No, it's amazing because Michael even talked about he didn't like Phil at yeah. first there. It was very well known. And in today's game, I feel like players, when they don't like a coach, A, they, the coach flat out doesn't get hired and it's also on a very short leash. And if the star player doesn't like you, even if you have a good season, you're probably gone. And so that was interesting to see that dynamic and how uh, Michael was a little scared that the ball was going to be taken out of his hand and distributed throughout the team more. But we see that it, it ended up working brilliantly, right? So well, and, Yeah, well, and on top of that, I mean, talk about another incredible move by Jerry Krause to fire uh, Phil Collins when they're uh, – when they were winning and, you know, they were so close, but they weren't quite there for him to, you know, make the decision to bring in Phil and know that 
that he was going to really kind of get him over the hump is just another kind of interesting thing that, that is probably why Jerry Krause is probably so upset that he never got more credit than he did. Was there anything about those episodes that I guess it feels like that first championship was just, they really rushed it. Did you guys feel the same way about that first title? Because they spend like, you know, three episodes building up to get to that first championship. And then this one's like, Oh, it just sort of, just sort of happened. It seems like I the champ. Like oh, go ahead. Padilla. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like that's how it might kind of end up going throughout the season till they get to that very last championship. Cause I mean, they're showing everything that they went through in order to get to this first title. And obviously I feel like getting that first title was obviously the biggest for Michael Jordan. Cause they obviously they had to surpass the rivals, the Pistons and basically had to deal with a new coach. MJ had to deal with basically not having the ball in his hands and basically trusting his teammates, trusting his coach that he could be a better player without the ball in his hands. So it was – I feel like it wasn't rushed as much because just because of that rivalry with the Pistons, it was just – that took up like almost three years worth of basically that, that Bulls team just having to surpass basically the Pistons just to get to that first title. And so, I mean, them rushing it to just kind of go straight into that title and showing them win wasn't – I feel like wasn't too rushed just because there was much more of a storyline, I think, before winning that championship. Yeah, yeah that's almost exactly what I was going to say, too, was that uh, it seemed like for, you know, for that Bulls team, like beating Detroit was way more important to them than even like the championship itself. I mean, just to finally kind of get over the hump to get through those guys. And then obviously like that finals really not being much of a series either, I think is probably why it's kind of overlooked in the in the documentary as well and you can see and i think they've hinted at so for the future episodes they did you can they talk about how that 98 season he is so isolated from everyone else because of how much of a star he is that he's basically just hanging out with his security team and then you see these cast of characters that are um, what were they called again the uh oh gosh I'm his, his security that. team or whatever the fluffs or something like that. Yeah. Um, oh, and, something like that. Yeah. And you got a preview of that. It sounds like just how much like gambling he was doing with them and just hanging out. And that's like the only people he would ever hang out with because he it sounds go like anywhere. that's what the next yeah. episodes are supposed to really highlight is his kind of gambling thing. Um, well, the next episode is really like the biggest thing about these next episodes is Kobe Bryant. That too. This yeah. is where he. This is where he comes into play, and that's what I've been seeing a lot of is just, like, this This episode is going to highlight a lot, maybe, of Kobe, and then just kind of go, maybe go into that relationship that Michael Jordan and Kobe had, which could be pretty big. Well, I think, like, I feel part like five is supposed to be the gambling thing, and then part six will be kind of when he, because the gambling thing was what, in, like, 93, at the, the back end of that third title? And then he retires and then comes back. And that's when Kobe's in the league. If I had to guess how tomorrow's going to go, it's, I'd have to say that, so episode, we're going to be on what? Episode five starting mm -hmm. tomorrow. It'll be the dream team. Then episode six is going to probably end with the death of his father. And then his 
retirement, right? You'd probably have to assume that's where it's going to be sort of a cliffhanger. I've been listening to a lot of people that have seen this documentary already, and this is where maybe the image of Michael Jordan, not necessarily not take a hit, but you'd be like, oh, this guy's maybe not as uh, clean of an image as maybe we thought he was. This is the episodes where that's going to happen. How about that? Uh, how about that Scottie Pippen migraine game? What a what a failure that Jordan couldn't get his team uh, through that when Scotty couldn't play. Oh, God. Well, they were getting blown out in that game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. It, so was, it was over before Scotty went up. But it almost seemed like he was – he didn't believe Scotty or – That's what I thought was funny too. He was almost like still bitter at Scotty that – Oh, he had an injury. Yeah. And he couldn't see straight. I mean, I get yeah. it. Like, Welcome to LeBron's world. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. But we know about his flu game and playing through that pain. But it's like, if anyone's that had a migraine, uh, the ability to concentrate, uh, let alone play a NBA playoff game. Yeah, is, you'd be seeing double. Like, yeah, yeah. The fact that he said he was blind, it's yeah. just like, dude, get off the court. Like, you're really just hurting your team if you're staying on the court trying to play if you can't see. And Dennis, so, Dennis Rodman's just, you know, destroying Dennis you. Dennis Rodman's just Dennis Rodman. Yeah. One thing, one thing I got out of that documentary, the part with Dennis Rodman was um, basically he is really like the first of his kind. He like no one, like, I mean, I feel like some players have tried to go out there and tried like emulate his play style. And I mean, defensively, yeah, they're pretty good, but everything else that's, they can't even compare. Like he, the part where he starts talking about how, he knew how players would shoot, like even on the same team or opposing team. Like he's like, Oh, I know which way the ball spins. So when yeah. it hits the rim, I know which way to go. Like people don't even think about that. Even today, people just like the ball hits the rim. There's like a few players down below trying to get the rebound and stuff like that. But like, that's all he did. That's what he was best at and knew that he was best at was obviously playing defense and getting rebounds. That's why people relied on him so much. And really, he kind of like his like sense of style and fashion kind of paved what is kind of today with these NBA players. They're kind of going out kind of wearing whatever they want. When back, back in the early nineties, Dennis Rodman's rocking fishnet t-shirts, a wedding dress, pink hair. Like he didn't care what people thought of him. Like, I mean, even then you even had Tim Duncan just kind of wearing jean shorts a polo and Birkenstocks when he received his MVP trophy like he really helped some of these players just kind of not get that big of an ego and kind of go out and get all these flashy things he kind of just like showed some players like hey you can be who you are and do whatever you want and just be happy with yourself yeah on the Rodman note there he uh he sort of yeah was sort of this party animal and had this larger than life persona but he really put in the work and he could just turn it on and off whenever he wanted to. I mean, uh, you know, you saw that, you know, he's studying other players and putting in the work and watching the film and seeing, you know, measuring up his opponents ahead of time. And then also that drill, as soon as he came back from Vegas, yeah, where it was the, the drill, they probably can't say what it was called nowadays, but yeah. And they, they just absolutely, he, he just was, completely fine you know his butt is just that's a rare thing with some athletes the ability to go out and party and then just come back and be like yep i'm fine 
Um, I think that was just back then too. I feel like people were doing that because, I mean, if you do that now, I doubt it helps you that much. Because I feel like, isn't it a thing to where, oh, maybe I could be wrong, but I feel like if you drink enough and you have enough muscle, you get a lot more, dr- you get a lot drunk faster. It's something like that. Like there's something with athletes, like the, their ability, like they can still perform even if they just go get blackout drunk the night before. Um, and back then they weren't really built like super big, like how they are now. So. Yeah. That's the thing is like you, you wouldn't see guys do that now because like so much the NBA is all about having like that athletic edge that if you go get super fucked up one night and take the next night off, like you're, and you lose that edge, like it's going to show on the court and it's going to yeah. be obvious. And the social media too comes yeah. into play. <laughs> if they see you out, then like people get like people get these players get shit when, oh yeah, we saw them partying with this this movie star the night before a game or whatever, and then that comes out later and people are furious. I'm telling you, the best the best bet for any NBA regular season game is if you have a away team coming to play in Miami on a Sunday afternoon, bet that the Heat <laughs> are going to win. Because and if, especially if they if they're able to come into town on Saturday night because they notoriously go out and party and then suck it up on Sunday morning. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, those they afternoon. Got DJ, yeah. They got DJ Khaled. Hey, come <laughs> come hop on my jet ski. Pitbulls in Miami. Yeah, it's, club. Not, it's amazing. Yeah, both uh, Orlando and Miami are both in Florida, but uh, are completely opposite different worlds. Is it, uh, it is uh is it weird, you guys, that the more I watch this, I'm surprised that these Bulls teams aren't never get like the super team label. I, I don't know. Is that do you guys think no, that's weird? Because, no, because when Rodman came in, he was like damaged goods. No one wanted him. He was a terrible teammate in San Antonio. But he was he a back to back defensive player of the year. Like I mean, think of how many like how few of when you like an NBA nowadays, think of having two of well for for starters, the best player in the league in Michael Jordan, and then another top five to ten player in Scottie Pippen. And then on top of that, you get a back-to-back they, they, defensive they player for a year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and Michael kind of alludes to it a bit when he says, you know, when Scottie was out, he had to rely on, on Rodman, you know, Dennis, to really step up. And vice versa when, you know, both either one of those players was out. So, I mean, they sort of had a big three in a sense. And they don't really – they talk about the role players a little bit in these documentaries. But, like, Steve Kerr wasn't that good. No, <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, yeah, I mostly meant, like, the – in a, I guess in a big no, yeah. three sense, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, They. I think it would count as a big three. Yeah. I, I don't think we view it in the same light as the Miami big three or the Celtics big three. But – yeah, I, I, I'd say it counts. So I don't technically think it counts really as a super team, just basically because nowadays we praise this Warriors team for that championship because they built that from the ground. These were all draft picks that they got. And in a sense, so were the Bulls besides getting Dennis Rodman. Like Christini said, after the, after the Pistons, he was just kind of – he was doing whatever he wanted. He was getting technical fouls all the time. He was getting ejected from games. He just – no one really even wanted to play with him. But like you said, Zach, he was a defensive, a back-to-back defensive player of the year. And they – I mean, Phil Jackson and them had to probably look at him and be like, "We obviously we need that guy. We need that muscle. We can bring him in and set him straight. 
And it looked like that's exactly what they did. And then obviously giving him that leeway to, Hey, go party for a couple of days and then yeah. be ready to come back and play. So for me, I don't, it, I mean, like it was a big three, but it wasn't a big three. Like Rosini said, like Miami where, Hey, they all talked and got to go down to my, to South yeah. beach. It, so you're saying in like the sense the that, yeah. In the sense that they brought in, you know, multiple free agents that like this one, yeah. you kind of said that it was like, Cause, yeah, because it's like, it's really, I mean, you're drafting these guys. It's hard to tell yeah. how well they're going to, how well they're going to be. Like, I mean, they had Horace Grant who they drafted as well. And he ended up being really good as well. They ended up getting, yeah. Dennis Rodman. They got, um, I think it was, I forgot who it was. He was, he was on the Pistons. They got him from the Pistons for a year. They won a title. Like, I mean, they obviously did go and get players outside of what they drafted to help them win. But I feel like that core, which was really Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, and then Dennis Rodman. Yeah. You don't really consider it was a super team, but it was a super team kind of built the right way. Yeah. It was, it was a more organically built super team than a yeah. free agency. I think, just, I think as this documentary goes, you just see how good of a GM Jerry Krause yeah. was for yeah. It's amazing that it, I mean, and it's kind of funny too, because like the first episode, they really shit on him. And then you can kind of tell they're toning it down a little bit. Like that was a huge part of the first episode. And it's like, we haven't really heard much of that, in the, especially in the last two. But I, I almost wonder if that's part of like, I mean, how, like, how do you shit on him for what, for, you know, bringing in Phil Jackson and then bringing in I feel Robin like you and, don't. I yeah. feel like you don't. You don't you do at the beginning because obviously they're talking about that final year. Right. And then you show basically this is for me, I think this is kind of smart because you show basically how bad they treated him in that first episode. And then you start building, showing what he created, everything that he did that helped that team. And then in that final year, basically him just looking like a total asshole. Yeah. And basically trying to blow up a team that's going on their second three Pete. And Basically, like Steve Kerr has said, like he got into his own way. So basically, I think it's a leading, it's like building up to basically just exploding and showing basically how bad of a person Jerry Krause probably was. I mean, I don't know anything about him besides the fact that, like you said, these episodes, they keep building that team and showing basically how much of a good GM he was. But I think they're leading up to that like final episode to kind of finally show like, Hey, Jerry Krause was an asshole. Basically what he got that last season, he deserved, even though he was a good reason for building that dynasty. The Jerry Krause situation is no different than any other situation in sports. Really? Yeah. When you're together that long, you're going to get sick of each other. Things are going to happen. The foundation is just going to erode over time. We've seen it happen with the Warriors and KD. It happened a lot faster than people thought it would. But you also saw it with Tom Brady and the Patriots. They were together for 20 years. Of course, by the end, you're going to be miserable and you're not going to want to be with each other as much as you were in the beginning and, you know, 10 years in. You know, it, it was a, it's really hard to keep these teams together from ownerships, GMs, coaches, players. It's hard to keep that all aligned with each other and in sync and in harmony. I think that's a good point. That much, it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it makes you wonder how huge of an impact um, like Jordan having kind of those two years off for that team really was. I mean, obviously for him, 
you know, the, the rest and, um, but just kind of like the mental break. And then also for the rest of the team to not really have nearly as much of that kind of circus around them, um, for, you know, to basically have, I mean, they had an entire season off and then a big chunk in the next one before Jordan came back. So it's like, yeah. you kind of wonder how much of a factor that plays into it when we've seen teams like the Warriors who can't stand to be around each other after four seasons or, you know, teams like the Heat where they, like, you know, injuries kind of break those teams up. And it's like something almost always happens. And it's so rare that you really do get to keep a core together for as long as those bowl teams were. Yeah, it just doesn't happen at all. It, there's a couple cases, but for the most part, it's it's just people got egos. People have different ambitions. And that's sports for you. It's, it's yeah. so damn difficult to win in the first place. But then to keep winning, it's even harder. That Spurs yeah, team, like the Spurs are probably kind of the modern day surprise that was able to keep it together. And then of all people, yeah. like Kawhi Leonard is the one that kind of blows that dynasty up. Which <laughs> the, is like, the, the quietest one, even quieter yeah. than Tim is the, uh, the secret assassin. Yeah, ridiculous. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see the next couple episodes, though. I feel like it's really going to start. Diving. I feel like they're just going to get a little bit better. They're probably going to, like, like Jordan said, was basically like when people see this, they're going to definitely think different of me. And, like, what you guys are saying right now is just, like, obviously I feel like that team kind of stuck around because, well, first – they stuck around for that first leading up to that first three peat because obviously you had Michael Jordan, you had Scottie Pippen. So they were the one, two duo best in the NBA at the time and they were winning. And then you basically see Jordan leave just kind of over and over basketball, go do his own thing. And now it's like, okay, the bulls got to create this whole new look for themselves and go out there and try to, basically win another championship without Michael Jordan. And then basically when he comes back, I feel like that's where it all starts to change to where maybe they where Jordan talks about, Oh yeah, people are going to hate me because he probably comes back and is like super cocky. Like you guys fucking needed me. I'm back now. So now we're going to bust our ass and go win more titles. So I feel like maybe not after this, this Sunday's um, two episodes, It'll show that, but I feel like the next four is what that's going to end up showing is basically him coming back and then him being so cocky to his teammates and like kind of probably like that verbal abuse that he was talking about trying to get them into in, onto the same page as him to go on and do that second three-peat. Fire, uh, Phil Collins. So in this uh, segment, we're going to be doing is quizzing Kriseni on – 1990 to 2020 college hoops trivia. The man that claims he knows everything about them. So, uh, Chris Padilla, what's hoops your first? or anything college? Or what? Basketball uh, and football, right? Yeah, basketball and football are the two. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank God. I was just like, oh shit. <laughs> I come up some quick questions. All right. So my first question, Kriseni, huh? is going to be: In 2008, the Florida Gators football team went 13 and one. And went on to win the BCS National Championship Did against Oklahoma. To? Who was the only team they Ole lost Miss. to? And, and what did you he tell get me it? that score? He got the yeah, he got it right. What was the answer? Oh, the you know the score? score. If you know the score, I'll be surprised. No, the score is just an extra. If you know the score, I'll be surprised. Oh God, I don't know the score, but I know like 
they, it was like fourth down and one, and Tebow was going for like a quarterback sneak, didn't get it, and that's how Ole Miss won the game. I, oh, wow. They like they were driving, and, but Ole Miss stopped them. Um, I don't know the exact score. Oh, it was 31-30, but you answered that real quick. Yeah, that was fast. All right, Christiani, here's mine. Uh, the 2002 NCAA men's basketball tournament's final four ended in one of your favorite cities, Atlanta, Georgia. Who were the two teams in the final and who won? 2002, you said? Yeah. Okay, so that was the year before Syracuse won in 2003 with Mello. That's right. 2002, I think Duke won in 2000, was it? Or was Maryland in 2000? It was like Maryland, Michigan State, Duke won over that. I'm going to say 2002 was Michigan State. Wrong. Hmm. Oh. Uh, I'll give you the answer. It, you were you almost had it. It was Maryland over Indiana. Okay, I yeah I knew they won at around the millennial there. Yeah, yeah you okay. Yeah, you were close. Damn. Okay. You stumped them. Stumped the Crescentus. Oh. <laughs> All right. So far he's one one for two. All right. My second question. If you don't get this one right, Crescenti, you might as well just say you're from UW. <laughs> Ooh, okay. What was Mike Leach's record during his time at WSU? Ooh. What was the exact record? Oh, yeah. It was right around 500, if I'm not mistaken. It's like, I think he was just above five. I'm going to say 54 and like 52. Close. He was 55 and 47. Damn. Okay. Not bad, though. That's pretty close. All right, Chrisenny. Um, we all know how much you love the coaches in college basketball. So of course, who of course. was the coach of the year in the 2011-2012 season? It's Calipari, isn't it? Nope. Okay, well. I'll give you one more guess. So it must have been someone that had a – a record, some uh, maybe a smaller school that didn't perform, that wasn't expected to perform as well. Yeah. What season was it? 2011 to 2012. Won that year. That was Anthony Davis winning that year. Um, 2011. I I don't know. It was Bill Self, Kansas. Really? Oh wow! Yeah. Did they make it to the championship? Right. Uh, let's see. Have that pulled up. Didn't didn't Kentucky beat Kansas that year in the championship game? Think so. It was the New Orleans, actually. Yeah, that it was the New Orleans one. Um, I think that was the Kentucky over Kansas year, though. Okay. No, yeah, I just I'm surprised Bill Self. You know, he wins all these games in the Big Twelve, but then he's only got one national championship to back it up. Yeah. He's few and far between in the final four these days. All right. Well, I think next time we'll have to give you a couple easier ones. Maybe, maybe we came out swinging too much on that. The NFL draft is officially over and happened with surprisingly little to no mishaps. Now that teams or rosters are beginning to get filled up, we're starting to get an idea of who is going to be the best teams in the league this year. 
Let's start off with a round table and go with our top 10 and count down the best team. So let me just say this before we start. I don't think that any team got drastically better from the draft this year. There was a couple teams that improved. Definitely. They, they addressed needs, but I, I don't look at my top 10 and be like, wow, this draft pick really makes me think that they're moving up into the, you know, into seven or six position. Um, just because a rookie's not going to make that much of a difference most of the time. I'll just get us started off with number 10. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. I think it's really hard to leave them out of any top 10 at this point, as long as you have Russell Wilson. Yes, I know the offensive line is really bad. Uh, they addressed it a little bit there. Um, but I think it's just so hard to keep a team like that out. And uh, if there's one thing I've learned, uh, especially of the years you guys know, um, I end up usually eating my words with that team as soon as I count them out. Number nine, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. I think they are set up to in a division where you have Jacksonville tanking, you have Houston, eh, and then you have uh, the Titans who are a bit of an unknown. Um, I think the Colts could be a top 10 team right now. I have them at number nine. I think Phillip Rivers gives them a gunslinging mentality. Hopefully Ooh. he – on the interceptions there, but I, I think that you could put them in there at nine and they can make a run at the division. Number eight, Dallas Cowboys. At this point, yes, we know that they got C.D. Lamb, and maybe that was the biggest surprise of the first round, um, but I think there's no excuses for that team now. That offense is absolutely loaded, and I think that they're they are right there at number eight. I think they'll be a playoff team, but you know, who knows, you know, they always end up shooting themselves in the foot every single year. Number seven, the green Bay Packers. Yes. I know there's so wow. much drama surrounding Jordan love, but remember they were a game away guys from the super bowl, but they got blown out by the San Francisco 49ers twice in the season. The second one came in the NFC championship game, but I don't think there's any reason to believe they got, they got weapons. They, they can be, a team that makes another run at it. We got an, an aging Aaron Rodgers, but as long as before, as long as he's not showing signs of deterioration, I think it's justified to put him in the top ten. And number six, this one's maybe going to be a little bit surprise for you guys, but I just think that they're so close. But there's one element of this team that keeps holding them back. That's the Houston Texans. The talent is there. The problem is the damn coaching is so atrocious. I think the talent. At a certain point, hopefully it will carry itself. Yes, I know I know the weapons that they lost there, but I think, I think Deshaun Watson is a next-level talent. And also, like I said, it's in a division where it could be anyone's game. Like, anyone could win that division, especially with the Patriots being out of it this year most likely. You know, who knows who could grab a bye in the playoffs? Okay, right. you said the Texans were eh. And you got them at six? I think there's a lot of ant teams. I think there's a lot of ant teams. <laughs> I like okay. it, Christine. All right, Padilla, let's hear it. All right, so uh, my number 10 is going to be Green Bay Packers. Like Christine said, um, they still got Aaron Rodgers. They got a little bit of drama going on. Um, I almost had them outside of the top 10 just basically because um, just health concerns on Devontae Adams. 
he got hurt last season for a couple games, and obviously you could tell that Green Bay Packers team wasn't the same without him. And they really didn't address much in the draft, especially helping them offensively. Like, I mean, they got a running back, but they aren't really that much of a running team. But they still have Aaron Rodgers. He's still able to do stuff even without having star players on offense, just basically like what he's doing now. He still has some of those decent receivers. They got Devin Funches, so maybe he might help elevate that offense. But um, I think they're still in it. They're not the best, but they're still there. At nine, I got the Dallas Cowboys, mainly because that offense is pretty stacked. They got Elliott. They got Amari Cooper. They got Michael Gallup, and now they got C.D. Lamb. And, I mean, the QB position is a little iffy. You were still waiting on Dak Prescott to kind of sign his deal, but as of maybe like an hour and a half, two hours ago, they just signed Andy Dalton. So, I mean, that's a good backup to have just in case Dak Prescott ends up holding out. At eight, I got the Minnesota Vikings. They were pretty good last season, and I think that – I mean, even though they they sent off Stephon Diggs to – the Bills, I still think they have a pretty good pretty good offense with Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. Pretty sure they got some receivers as well in this draft. So I think they'll be up there. But, I mean, you just never know, especially with Kirk Cousins. So it's really all depending on him on how well they perform this season. At seven, I got the Buffalo Bills. Their defense is one of the top defenses in the league, and their offense is slowly starting to – kind of build into an elite offense. They just got digs from the Vikings this offseason, and they still have some, a couple receivers that are still doing pretty good. They ended up getting – they still have David Singletary or Devin Singletary. I'm not too sure what his name is at running back, and they just got another running back not too long ago. So I think they may be the new kings of the AFC East, but I still wouldn't put it past Bill Belichick to win that division. And at six, like Kriseni said earlier, um, as long as this team has Russell Wilson, I mean, they're going to keep winning. Yeah, their offensive line, they lost some offensive linemen, but they gained a few in this draft. But, I mean, as long as you got Russell Wilson, they're surprising everybody. For my 10th team, I'm going to sound like a real homer here, but I've got the Denver Broncos coming in in the top 10. Um, I feel like they had a good end of the last season. and a lot of injuries too, but so they're going to have Bradley Chubb back, which will be big. And then, I mean, just the new receiver that they got and Jared Judy should help. Um, and then I like, I like their running core a lot too with picking up Gordon. Um, so I, I think that they're going to be in the 10th seed in what's probably going to be the toughest division in the entire league. Um, at number nine, I have the Houston Texans. I, I'm kind of with Crescenti here where I think that they – I don't know if I want to say they're an eh team. I, I do think they're really good. And Deshaun Watson reminds me a lot of like a Russell Wilson, where if you have him, um, kind of anything is possible. And I like, you know, I don't think the, the major, you know, losing the big receiver is going to be that bad for them. They're in a pretty easy division. I actually like David Johnson because I think uh, having a run game will help them in overall. So I have them at number nine. Uh, number eight, the LA Chargers. Um, this is a team that I think improved their defense in the offseason. And also we, we're kind of forgetting that Tyrod Taylor is a pretty good quarterback. So I don't 
I, I think that they're still going to be a pretty decent team. Um, they did a, they had a pretty good draft as well, so I don't really see them being horrible. I know they kind of had a bad season last year, but I think that they'll be a little bit on the up and up. Um, at number seven, your guys' new favorite team, I have the Tampa Bay Bucks, um, adding Tom Brady and Gronk, and then they had a pretty decent draft. Uh, I think this is going to be a really fun offense, but I am skeptical to put them too high just because – you know, mostly being in that division, I think New Orleans is probably still a better team. And then I'm still not quite sure about their defense. So we'll have to see. It's going to be tough to see how that all comes together, but it's going to be fun to watch. Um, and then my sixth team, same as uh, Padilla. I've got the Seattle Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson is probably right now maybe the best quarterback in the league. Um, so assuming that that team can stay healthy and not lose a bunch of running backs like they did last season, I mean – that team was also so close to, uh, you know, being is being really good and just unfortunately couldn't quite get over uh, San Francisco. But I think they're also going to be around for a while. That's my 10 through 6. So who wants to start off with this rant? I got a few words. Uh, the Bucks are higher than you think they are. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Crescenti. Wow, the, really? The Chargers? Really? The Chargers, man? That's Dude, right. Tyrod Taylor hasn't played in two seasons. You're an idiot for saying that he's a good quarterback. He's obviously not good enough to surpass Philip, an old Philip Rivers. I think he'll be fine. Come on. Also, no, there's no. No, we have no I also, idea. I also really Tyrod like their just... offensive weapons, and they have a pretty solid defense. So I don't, I, like, I don't know. Who's I don't... Their, tell me their offensive weapons other than Keenan Allen. Well, who's – I mean, you've got Eckler hey, at running no, back. Hey, I, <laughs> Eckler at running back. That's a pretty good weapon. Okay. You've got uh, who? Patton or whatever, wide receiver. Can catch some balls. Heard. Good hands. I like those guys. The Chargers <laughs> offense is decent, but it's – I don't know. I just – I don't see them as a top no. ten. I'd put them no in the No faith top. in Tyrod Taylor, dude. No faith in that guy. I think also, they'll be better than the Colts. Hurt. No I way. Think the Colts are much more stable. The Colts were good until Jacoby Brissett got hurt. Yeah. They were in the run for that wild card, too. Yeah, up to the very end. Well, I guess time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. It. Time will tell how much of a dumbass you are for that no, pick. No, we'll, we'll see. The, there's receipts now. So, I'll, I, I, hey, uh, <laughs> who was it that was correct on the uh, Super Bowl and playoff bracket this last season? I think that was me, right, as the winner? Yeah, that's right. You said that Russell Wilson's <laughs> the best quarterback in the league as if Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson don't exist. I, I Russell Wilson I think is better than Lamar Jackson right now. I think Patrick I said he I said he could be the best quarterback in the league and I think that he's probably he's top 2. Like Patrick Mahomes yeah, I'll go back I'll and give you Mahomes and see, over that. see if you said could, but I don't think he did, but we'll see. We'll find out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I said he has this whole thing. Dude, but look at, look at all the weapons back. that Patrick Mahomes has. Like, Russell Wilson doesn't have any of that, so I don't know. I, I think What? He's, he's got Metcalf and he's got Lockett. Those aren't nearly as good as, like, everything that the, uh, that the Chiefs have. They're 1,000-yard receivers. They're 1,000-yard receivers. The Chiefs, the Chiefs have Tyreek Hill and an old-ass Sammy Watkins. Who else do they got? Travis Kelsey? Oh, yeah, Travis Kelsey. I guess yeah. Travis Kelsey and really Tyreek Hill. Yeah, but to I say that Russell Wilson doesn't have Russell anybody. 
I just think the the Chiefs is a way is like a more solid team. Like I like I don't know. I Russell Wilson has just done Chiefs it for are, so long too. Like Patrick Mahomes, yeah. I, I'm surprised to hear you so adamant, Kriseni, over the loving of Patrick Mahomes when it's been two seasons. Oh, I I think he's. <laughs> I think in these two seasons, I emojis be the best, but we'll yeah. see. Like I said, if we well, have maybe a one of our next segments should be top ten quarterbacks, and then. Uh, we can really... Oh gosh, what is that? The Callan Cowherd special? List season. <laughs> uh, Did you see I was surprised. You guys both had the oh, Packers, and I don't think I had them in my top ten. I know. I was surprised by that because you until someone until they show signs yeah. of deterioration, I think you have to put them in there. Yeah, I don't. I I honestly think that this whole Jordan Love thing, I'm a little worried that that's going to kind of blow the locker room. Um, I, I I think I like the Vikings more than them in that division too. Oh, yeah. That's why I got them hired. That's why I was surprised yeah. when you said the Chargers, too, because I was just like, dude, the Vikings have a better, not probably like a similar receiver and then a way better running back and a better quarterback, and they have a better defense. So that's why I was really surprised that you had the Chargers. In. I mean, I don't know if you have the Vikings in your top five. but I don't. For, that's for why the sake I kind of the yeah. I do not. That's why I, yeah, that's why I was kind of like shocked and came at you because I was just like, dude, the Vikings are way better than the Chargers. Dude, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, for me, the the Chargers is one of those teams that I think, like, had Tom Brady picked them, it would have been another, like, really good fit for him. So I just, like, I don't think Tyrod – like, I think Tyrod Taylor is good enough to make that system work pretty well, and I think that their defense can be decent enough too. I feel like he's not because he didn't even make that Bills team better, and he was a starter for, like, four years. He got to the playoffs with that Bills team. What was that? Yeah, but as a, as a wild card. Still got in though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they lost. Yeah. Well, barely to Jacksonville. But, who, but who's in? Who's in the? Um, who's in that Chiefs? Not Chiefs, but who's in that Chargers division? I mean, you've the got Raiders. the Raiders and the Broncos. Who, like the Broncos, yeah. I think will be good. But that's. I don't think the Raiders are going to be that good. Oh, it's a that tough was division. What, yeah. Yeah. You the had Broncos the Raiders in here. No, I don't have fucking no hell no. Oh, no, no. But uh, the Broncos at 10, dude, I knew you were going to fucking pick the Broncos <laughs> because you had already been talking about during the draft how yeah, much right. better they got. And, yeah, I definitely agree with you that, oh, they definitely improved. But I don't know if Drew Locke is like – That's that's the wild card. Going to be – Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all Drew Locke. Yeah. And then who would you say was coming back? For the Broncos? Yeah. Chubb. That's their uh, their defense. Like they'll have him defense. and Von okay. Miller again, yeah. which they like. That was kind of a big piece they were missing last year. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I feel like that run game is going to be pretty good, but I yeah. don't know about their receivers. Yeah, like, I mean, they're, I mean they're they got young. Yeah, I mean Sutton's pretty good. Um, yeah, Fant is he's he's young and he's going to get better, but it's just Drew Locke that I'm just kind of just like. I didn't even think he was that great in college. No, he's he just one of those. I mean, he was all right last year too. Yeah. But they, I mean, I think having like Judy there should at least take a little pressure off Sutton. So I think that helps. And then, yeah. and then Fant as well. I mean, at least you can open up the field somewhat, which yeah, is, which was kind of their problem last year. They really couldn't. But yeah, yeah. it's all. I, mean, I guess it's all the, Drew Locke. If, yeah, I guess if worse comes, yeah, if worse comes to worse, it's just Drew Locke is the next Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. But I think for yeah, I mean, I, I feel like if Drew Locke kind of sucks it up this, if Drew Locke sucks it up this year, they're gonna. Pro, I would think they'd try and get a free. I mean, maybe like 
the, maybe the Broncos end up trying to be a landing spot for like a Aaron Rodgers if, if things go south, which I think they will. But. All right, so top five? Yeah, let's do it. All right, sitting at number five, a team that was in the AFC Championship game and looked like they had a shot to win it last year, Tennessee Titans. I think as long as they have this formula down, as long as they have this formula down and they're able to keep Derrick Henry healthy and Ryan Tannehill doesn't stink, unlike, say, in Jacksonville a few years ago where they were so close to winning the championship game in the AFC and they were predicating on Blake Bortles being good the next season, but he wasn't. As long as Ryan Tannehill is good, I think this team's going to be good again. This formula is hard to beat. And it, like I said, as long as Derek Healthy is able to stay healthy and just pound the rock down people's throats, I think it, it, it's a solid team. And Mike Rabel, up-and-coming coach in terms of you know, his abilities, you see the players really rally around him. I think this is a top-five team. Number four, I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers. That team is so stacked still, especially on defense. And they improved a little bit in the draft with a couple key pickups on the defensive side. I think that's a team where as long as it's the same thing, their quarterback situation, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is able to be competent, there's no reason why they can't get back there. It's, it's a pretty wide-open NFC to get to the championship game. Number three. Local team. Oh, God, here we go. Buccaneers. I think it is so hard to ignore how good that offense is, how dangerous that offense is. And also, Tampa Bay, they weren't great this past season. Their record was uh, – it should have been worse with Jameis, all things considered, right? He had, what, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Now, you're not going to win many games when you throw that much. They went 7-9 with Jameis throwing 30 interceptions. Can you imagine if he cut it – if they had a quarterback who could cut the interceptions to 8, 9, or 10? They'd go 13-3. and three. That offense is so stupid good now with Gronk and Brady. I, but in terms of they, – they're going to win the NFC South. Wow. Number two, I think this is an easy one. Baltimore Ravens, nothing's really changed. They're just going to get better and better. That, that team is a freight train from hell. They're going to win a Super Bowl as long as they're able to keep it together and Lamar stays healthy. That, that, team, is, that team is ready to win. I, I don't think I need to really go into that anymore. And number one, Kansas City Chiefs. Do I need to say more there? Nope. Yep. Hey, you good. <laughs> Wow, you didn't even say the Saints? I think the Saints are maybe an 11 team. I think they're so Holy close cow. to the Yeah, I didn't edge. think about that. Wow. I think the Saints are a team that are <laughs> – no, I, I think they're a team that they have Drew Brees and they're going to stay competitive. But, man, the end is so close, and you saw it last season. As soon as he's gone, that team's going to stink. Didn't they uh, get without him last season? <laughs> well, I, well, they had Teddy. Yeah, and now they got Jameis, who's got Jameis, the gunslinger. Yeah, he's got a, new yeah. eyes, dude. He was, you feel comfortable with Jameis coming in the game when Drew goes down? I don't he's got so. contacts. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was he was playing like Scottie Pippen against the Pistons, all blind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I think that yeah I, I think the Saints are maybe an eleven or twelve team right now. All right, okay, let's hear it, Pia. 
All right. So with my number five, I'm going to go with um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, newest additions, they got Brady and they got Gronk. But the one thing people aren't talking about is they ended up getting back some players on defense. They got Shaq Barrett back. They got Ndamukong Sue. They got Antoine Winfield, which was, I think, their – no, not their first pick, but it was, I think, their second-round pick or something in the NFL draft. He was one of the top safeties um, to go in this draft. They built out that offensive line. And I think it's really just – it really just depends on Brady. I mean, they got Mike Evans, who's clearly one of the best deep route receivers. They got Godwin. They got Cameron Bray. They got O.J. Howard, and they got Gronk, man. It's going to be really hard to stop that stop that offense. And then, I mean, the running backs, they got – is it Peyton Barber, Chris Uh, Yes, I believe so. But I think they also drafted a – They drafted somebody. They did. Something like Vaughn. Round, I think. Yeah, like last name was Vaughn, I think, or something like that. So, I mean, that's still kind of up in the air. But offensively, man, that – team is going to be really good at number four I got the Saints nice. um, they've kind of just been that same team for the last couple of years and I mean when it comes to playoffs that's where they kind of just choke and kind of ruin ruin it for themselves but I mean throughout the season I mean um, Drew Brees is kind of like Peyton Manning he's just a season QB in season QB just throwing up stats looking super good, but when it comes to playoffs, man, that team just, for some reason, just can't manage to win and make it to another Super Bowl. At three, I got the Baltimore Ravens, basically just because they still have Lamar Jackson at QB. That defense is still really good. They still got those receivers. They still got the running backs. I think they're going to be one of those top teams for a while. At two, I got San Francisco 49ers. Like Crescenti was saying, they're basically the same team. And really, you just got to hope that Jimmy G can either be the same quarterback he was last year or hopefully improve. If they can improve, man, they're going to be up there with the Kansas City Chiefs trying to win that championship. And at one, I mean, defending champs, man. I got the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. I think that's, that's not bad. I, God, I, you guys, it's Tampa. I just don't, I don't know. I'm not quite there yet. I think you just kinda, also don't like Brady, so I'm not surprised. I don't not like him. I just think that, I mean, with how quickly he was getting rid of the ball last year and, like, these guys just aren't that's a good on thing. the field. Yeah, also, um, Padilla, the Bucks yeah. did draft a running back in the third round, Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt. Vaughn. So, yeah, apparently he was a good running back too, but I was just like, dude, I had no idea who that was. He's a bottom team in the SEC. We're not going to hear his yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a wild card team. What? Tampa. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Padilla agrees. Well, the Saints he's got over them. So. I like I said. Oh I think yeah. The well, then I guess for, yeah. A fight. I but, think they're. But yeah, but it's just yeah. But if the Saints are just the Saints, dude. Every year the Saints yeah. are the team. And then once and the they Saints, get to the playoffs, the Saints' defense is still really good too. That like Tampa's yeah. defense, I don't think is quite there. And I know Brady has all these weapons, but I'm just like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I 
see him being – I mean, like, yeah, you have to take away some of the interceptions from Jameis Winston, but there's a lot of those bombs that Jameis is throwing down the field that they are catching that are getting touchdowns that I'm not sure I can see Brady doing. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, that's four – literally, that's four great receivers that are on Tampa that he could throw to. So, I feel like offensively they'll be they'll be Three. good. It's just more of – I feel like it's just more of Brady being able to – you yeah. know, it just throw that long ball, really, because I feel like that's what Mike Evans, like, really thrives off of, was being able to basically make that deep route and get that get those balls in the air that Jameis was blindly throwing to him. All right, so from my top five, and I, I kind of went the different direction with you guys and the Cowboys in this one, but at number five, I've got the Philadelphia Eagles. Um they have the receiver from TCU that they brought in to put next to, uh, their, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and Sean Jackson, assuming those guys can get healthy. Uh, I still think Carson Wentz is another really great quarterback that's hasn't been able to get healthy either. So, you know, assuming those, that team is healthy, I think that's one of the top five teams in the league and definitely better than the Cowboys. Um, number four, I've got the New Orleans Saints. They still have really strong defense, and I still think that they're going to be winning that division. Um, I honestly think by – a game or two. Like, I don't think it's going to be a super close kind of tiebreaker type of thing. Um, number three, I've got the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you know, they, that team is still really strong, still a really good defense. Um, and I think they're still the team to beat in the NFC at uh, number two, I've got the Baltimore Ravens kind of same thing you guys said, um, you know, as long as Jackson stays healthy, that team is really good. They got Calais Campbell, which was huge. And then uh, picking up Dobbins, I think could end up being, a pretty good team. I think it's this is one of those teams that's just better than their playoff performance last year, so I don't really see them going anywhere. And then uh, number one, Kansas City Chiefs, returning 20 of 22 starters uh, and upgrading at a running back that they got in the draft with their first pick as a guy who can also catch, I think is going to be huge for them. So that's my top 10. Okay. I feel like there's some bias with that Denver Broncos over the – Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There. Maybe he yeah. just has some. He, he has oh, his local I don't source. have. I don't have the Broncos over the Bucks. Did you have the Bucks in there? Yeah, they were uh, number seven. Barely. Oh, for oh dang. No, oh, that's not that bad then. Yeah. So I, the only I thought NFC they weren't in there at all. I have them behind. For NFC teams, I have them behind San Francisco, New Orleans, Philadelphia, and Seattle. Okay. So yeah, you really think Philadelphia is going to be that good? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that I think they're better than the Cowboys for one. Like, I think they're. Oh yeah. So that, like that division wise, I think that they'll be fine. And then they, they just had that team was so injured last year. Like I, I mean, if you think of how, I mean, Carson Wentz had no one to throw to, and you know now he's got that guy from TCU. I can't remember what his name is, but the receiver they took. They all hate him. The fans hate him. Uh, <laughs> was it Dungar or something like that? Yeah, yeah, something like that. But he's really good. I mean, you still have Zach Ertz there. And then, I mean, assuming Jeffrey and Jackson are healthy, I mean. I think it's a testimony just how good the, the scouting department in Philadelphia is that they were able to win the division with basically practice squad dudes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think if they, assuming they have their starters, like that team should be back and better than ever. Yeah, it just, I guess, like you said, it just really depends on their health. Because yeah. Carson Wentz could easily, but then again, they got Jalen Hurts. So he right. could easily come in and save the day. So, right. 
yeah, I guess that kind of kind of makes sense. Yeah, but I was I kind of when I was making my list, I put the conference for each team on there too, and it's interesting. I mean, I basically got the top two AFC, and then the entire middle of the pack is NFC, and then the last yeah AFC. So it's kind of I mean, it's a it's about right. I almost yeah. put the Steelers in there, just basically mm. because they got they're bringing back Ben Roethlisberger, but still, you don't really know what he's going to be capable, capable of. Yeah, but that defense, dude, that Steelers defense Good. is. Really good. I would probably one of those. I go, yeah, I go 49ers defense, then Pats, and then I go Steelers. The Steelers are kind of like the Pats, where they always kind of manage to, or they seem like they manage to kind of pull things together when yeah. it looks really bleak. I mean, like New England was my, my, of my two teams kind of on the outside looking in. I guess there was three, but I had New England and then um, Minnesota and Green Bay. I just like, because obviously, like one of those two has to kind of be there, but. Yeah, I don't really have much faith in either of them. <laughs> the Bills, that was a surprising one that I forgot about, Padilla. You had them at, like, number six, right? Well, that's – yeah, I had that uh, seven. I mean, seven. people have just they were been good last talking – I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, and their often I mean, their offensive weapons got a little bit better, but it's just Josh Allen, I don't – I mean, he's good some games. He's, he's not very good others. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean – yeah, that's one of those teams where, I mean, that. why do you think they got Jake from? Like yeah. Basically because it's just like Allen – I mean, Allen's a decent quarterback, but he's not something great. He's just really lucky he has that, off, that defense to really carry those teams. All right, listeners, our next segment is the Sports Soapbox, where each of us get our moment of one to two minutes on the Sports Soapbox where we get to talk about whatever we want, whether it be current or – previous takes that we have so let's get going on them i got a lot of problems with you people <laughs> now you're gonna hear about it from my rant skip bayless has been on a tear on twitter lately claiming things like lebron failed and failed and it was his fault he didn't face the competition that jordan had to go through in the celtics lakers and pistons and you can't compare jordan's legendary struggles and that mj hadn't lost badly in two finals but in reality Michael Jordan didn't really have to get through any of these all-time great teams either. Jordan was never able to beat Larry Bird's Celtics and never even saw Boston in the playoffs the rest of his career after getting swept by them in the first two seasons. His finals win against Magic Johnson's Lakers came not by overcoming Showtime, but by defeating a team plagued by injuries that caused an aging James Worthy and Byron Scott to miss games, had no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and even featured Magic Johnson's best teammate, Vladi Divac. Even the 30-loss aging bad boy Pistons that Michael was finally able to overcome were not the same team that they used to be with a season full of injuries leading up to that playoff series. Many of LeBron's legendary struggles came in the finals, not in the conference rounds of the playoffs like Michael's did. LeBron had to overcome the modern era bad boy Pistons to get to the finals at the age of 22, while Michael was losing in the first round at that age. LeBron also had to overcome the big three Celtics in multiple playoff series just to get to the finals. So yes, Skip Bayless. LeBron's legendary struggles were against equally great players and on an even bigger stage than Michael's were. Michael was struggling to get to that stage. Sometimes getting over the hump is more about the decline of your opponent than it is about you willing your team to get there. I'm sure Skip will be listening. Is, is that it? <laughs> That's it, yeah. For my take today, this is probably going to ruffle a couple feathers, especially one in this group. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of people calling baseball America's pastime. That sport sucks. No one wants to go watch 
their favorite players throw a pitch, hit a home run, run some bases, sit out in the outfield for three hours. Who the hell wants to go see that? I'd rather go watch NASCAR than go watch a full baseball game. People really only go to the baseball games for the food, the expensive beer, the beer gardens. Basically, it's just a place to go hang out. Tickets are so cheap that they can't even fill up stadiums that they basically just get young, young 21-year-olds to go buy these 7 to $10 tickets and just hang out in the beer garden and drink beer the whole time. Don't even pay attention to the game. You hear, a couple, you hear some people cheering, oh, we'll start cheering. You hear, you hear some people booing, okay, we'll start booing. But you know what? You don't even have to be athletic to play baseball. You have some out there throwing pitches, having pinch runners for them because they can't even run to first base after they hit the ball. I don't understand why people like you, Kriseni, are so obsessed with such a sport where you can just go watch people get dunked on. You can watch, you can watch UFC get somebody get knocked out. You can go watch a football game and see somebody just get completely speared. And you get excited for that. No one gets excited for a strikeout. No one gets excited for a fly ball. No one gets – I mean, some people get excited for a home run, but that rarely happens in games. I don't get why Americans are so obsessed with such a sport where we got so many other sports that you can go watch and be a lot more excited about. I'm done. Wow. Wow, what a take. I had to mute my microphone because I was laughing at that one. I feel Dude, like you have no idea. That wasn't even the one that was on my paper. My paper was LeBron Stan accounts. <laughs> and, it was, and it says LeBron Stan accounts during this whole MJ documentary. Mainly Zach LeBron Stan guy. <laughs> you should have used it. That would have that kind of flowed perfectly with my, with my ring. I was gonna, dude, I was going to rip you a new one, dude. I was, I was ready, but I was just like, you know what? I hate when Crescenti brings up baseball, so I'm going to tear it down right now. Well, you can do it next week because I'll keep the, uh, the LeBron love going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Crescenti. I can hear Crescenti, too. He's like, oh. Yeah, he was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Let's talk about something that's been discussed time and time again in the past few weeks because we have nothing else to talk about in sports except to be negative all the time. I'm talking about, of course, this whole NBA G League. Ooh, the new G League I keep hearing about. How this is going to revolutionize basketball. How this is going to incentivize players that they can get paid. They can go make a better life. Hmm. Sounds good on the outside. But let's examine that for a moment here. The only reason that the players can't get paid in the NCAA right now, these star players that should be in the NBA, you know whose fault that is? The NBA's. The NBA is the organization that created this one-and-done rule. The NCAA has rules. It created these rules back before television and all this revenue was coming in. So we say that these are silly rules when players get in trouble every now and then. But are they? We should be just getting rid of the G League and just creating straight to the league if these players are truly good enough to play in the league. Oh, but just another note here. As soon as this G League happens, it's bad enough that some of these players don't show up to class in college because they feel that they're going to make it in the league or they're going to go play overseas. 
Now, what is this going to do to the players that think that they have a chance playing when they're 14, 15-year-olds? Not going to incentivize them to do well in school at all. They're probably going to fail thinking that they have a shot at the league when, oh, what is it, less than 1% of these players are going to make it in professional sports? Give me a break, guys. The NBA G League is a joke. All right, fellas. With sports canceled, this season is fully upon us. It's time for one of the hottest topics we've ever discussed. What is the best sandwich? Mm. So I think what we're going to do is give uh, – I think what we should do is each give starting with our – we'll do our top five and we'll each go, you know, one at a time, starting with five and then all the way down. All right. What do you guys think? Yeah, that sounds good. Sure. All right. Um, who wants to keep is like on? each person is each person going down their whole list or are we going like just one at a time say five yeah okay. so just uh so give your your number five right now okay all right so let's start with uh let's start with Crescenti. actually you know what before we do our top five well no let's do five and then maybe before we do at the end we'll kind of give our six man if we have one let's hear your number okay. five Padilla. Uh, so my number five is going to be a BLT. Ooh, a classic. Chrisenny? My number five, it's a classic. It's easy, but I think there's no way you can leave it off. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Wow. Oh, I like wow. that. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, uh, my number five is, since summertime is coming close, I feel like this is a nice, light kind of pool sandwich. I'm going with the classic club. Okay. Uh, a pool sandwich? Yeah, Who's pool eating a sandwich, sandwich while they're in a pool? Well, you got to have lunch at some point. <laughs> that's what the clock Crack a for. cold one, have some, have some chips with that. That's, that's, a good, a, that's a good combo. Nice little light, light lunch. You don't want to bloat too much before you go swim. <laughs> Zach, I have one question on that. With your club, what kind of, uh, what kind of bread are you going with? Uh, you know, I really like just a classic white bread, but toasted. Okay. Yeah. Has to be toasted, yeah. Toasted, yeah. absolutely. Okay, let's uh, number four, Padilla. What do you got? Number four, I'm gonna go with this sandwich. I've actually gotten into quite like pretty well. Like I want to say this year, I'm gonna go with the Philly cheese steak. Oh, nice. With you're going with the uh, is it a is the meat beef or are you going like a chicken cheese steak? Uh, beef. Okay, nice. Percenti? It's going straight beef. Number four, I'm going to go with the bacon, lettuce, and tomato. I just love those three wow. ingredients on a sandwich. Okay. A little bit of mayo on top, too. Ooh, yeah. You got to have the mayo on the BLT. All right. For my number four, I'm going with a classic, the fried chicken sandwich. Oh. Okay. Okay. And I'm a triple A guy. Yeah. Ooh, You're Chick-fil-A not a Popeye's? Popeyes. I like Chick-fil-A more than Popeye's. I they're both re- the Popeyes one is really good, but I think Chick Fil A is better. That's okay. understandable. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, that's respectable. All right, number three. What do you guys got? All right, my number three. This one's an instant classic. I'm gonna go with the plain grilled cheese. Wow. Oh wow. Oh, I didn't even think I of that one. I didn't think about that either. You guys with the classics, oh. the grilled cheese and the PB and J, really bringing the heat. Okay. I'm going to go on one. I wish we'd done it somehow where we can't – we have, like, a big board where we draft sandwiches. Ooh, I like that. 
But I think I saw something uh, like that on Twitter recently. That'd be a good idea. But here's one that I have that I don't think you guys are going to have. We had it down in New Orleans, the shrimp po'boy. Ooh, the po'boy. Ooh. I liked how you said that too, po'boy. Yeah. That, that, one, that one was good, but I feel like after NOLA, I can't really eat fried food as much. <laughs> yeah, my body would I feel like all we ate was fried food. I thought about that one too, but I had a hard time putting it on a list just because I was like, I don't know if this is one that I could have over and over and over again. It's kind of a, a delicacy almost. Yeah. All right, my number three, I actually had this one for lunch today. A hot pastrami on marble rye. Just a classic mm. East Coast deli delicacy. That sounds like a Reuben. It is really similar to a Reuben. Basically, it's kind of the same, oh. just minus the sauerkraut. Oh, you're disgusting. Oh, I bet I can guess your number one right now. Mine? I, I think I I'm not going <laughs> to say already, I already you, know what it is. I was going to say, I feel like we talked about this before, so you guys probably already know my number one. <laughs> but can you guess my number two? No, I don't know what the two is. All right, well, let's hear your guys' something, two. Something weird, probably. All right, my number two is coming straight from the Mexican culture. I'm going to go with a torta. Nice. Okay. A little fire in there. It's a good one. Okay, my number two is one that you guys probably never had, but I'd love to introduce you today, someday to it. It's very similar to the Popeyes and the Chick-fil-A sandwiches in terms of what's on on the sandwich, but it's a Publix chicken tender sub. You get some on maybe a, a wheat or a white bread. You get chicken tender subs in there. You get some lettuce, tomato, pickles, mayonnaise, and boom, you got yourself a foot-long uh, just really great sandwich there. I do love Publix. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that like the one time I went there, I really pretty much just got booze. I didn't even get any... Uh, <laughs> what you say was next time you'll be good what is a Publix it's like a the equivalent of what's up in um, Washington would be a Safeway it's like yeah. a fancier Safeway uh -oh. have you been to like a Met Market Pidia no okay I was gonna say it's kind of like that They ha but they really have a good like kind of deli and that type of kind of quick food thing there hmm. okay all right, well, my number two, the one that neither of you will ever be able to guess, but just an absolute classic, the chicken parm. I'm not a fan of those. Okay. Uh, wow. I, I'm surprised that's your number two. It's so good. Are you doing that because Peyton Manning used to do the chicken parm you taste so good? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. But no, I'm not Nukem. I'm not that faithful to Peyton Manning. <laughs> Chicken okay. parm, you taste so All right. good. That's a classic. All right, All right so here's your chicken parm. Number one. Um, number one. This one's an instant classic. This is the one I'm surprised Crescenti had at five. This is one we've been eating our whole lives, boys. I'm going with <laughs> the classic PB&J. Oh, wow. Uh, crunchy or creamy? Oh, creamy all day. Really? Okay. Okay. Wow. Yep. And what for the jelly? Are you going just the classic uh, grape, or are you ever switching it up with a little strawberry? I've done strawberry. Okay. Uh, a while You're not one of those mixed jar guys, are you? Oh, the Smuckers. Oh, yeah. yeah. If I had those, if I had those at home, oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you Jeff? Some Smuckers. It's a travesty. Are you Jeff or Peter Pan? Ooh. 
you got to go with the GIF, man. Yeah, you have to. Is the classic. Okay. All right, Chris. Uh, my, my number one is one that's already been said, but I think you have to go to a very specific place. And it's a place I haven't been to. I'll I'll say that before uh, moving forward. But my number one is the Philly cheesesteak, preferably Geno's or Pat's in Philadelphia. Wow. Oh, wow. Have you had one from there? I have not had one from those specifically, but uh, but whenever I'm watching Sunday Night Football, Al Michaels has to remind me that you have to go to Pat's and Geno's. I have had a Philly cheesesteak from Philly, but I don't know if it was from one of those places. So those are the two staples that like every yeah. Philadelphia person will tell you. Like, and maybe it was because when we went, like the group we were with, the guy was like, "We have to go to this place." So maybe it, it maybe it was one of those. I don't know, but it like, was fantastic. Watch- Remember this in the back of your mind. Next time they have a Sunday night or a Monday night game and they're doing shots around the city um, for the football games, look for – they're going to show that restaurant. They just absolutely are. I feel like that's the equivalence of the uh, Pike Place Market shot when Seattle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That and the Rocky statue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, what do you All got? Right, well, my number one with no surprise is the Cuban. <laughs> the most fantastic sandwich in the world. Why don't you just move down to uh, Miami while you're at it? Oh, I'd love to. We'll get a little spice uh, in my life. It's respectable, though. A good Cuban, it's hard to beat a good Cuban. It is. I d- and the Philly cheese, I, that was actually my uh, sixth man. I had that one. Um, I, I was having a really hard time getting, getting that one to swap something else out, but that is a fantastic sandwich. Is there any big ones that we forgot? I, I can't really think. Can't really think of a sandwich that we left off the table here. That's uh, a syrup sandwich. Oh, dude! If you're eating an egg salad sandwich, oh wow, egg or tuna salad. Yeah, that's. Uh... Ooh, dude! A tuna is good. Tuna melt. A tuna I melt. Do... Oh no! Just a straight tuna and mayo. That and a pulled pork. Yeah, anything oh. barbecue, we, we, we kind of left off a lot of the barbecue scene. Yeah, we left off a hot dog, too. Oh, God. Considered a sandwich. All right, well, uh, that's another debate. That's another. I'm, I am glad that none of you guys threw in wraps because I, I don't think that that qualifies. But... A wrap is not a sandwich. Oh, a wrap right. is a wrap. That's right. All right, what's the, um, what's the sixth on your list? Mine was a uh, Philly cheesesteak was my uh, outside looking in. Mine would probably be the pulled pork with some uh, coleslaw on top, some barbecue sauce. All right. I like where Zach went with, uh, with the chicken sandwich from, from Chick-fil-A. I'm going to go with a college classic, and I'm going to go with a McChicken. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, One dollar. That is a good. That's a good staple to have in there. Hey, I just oh, for yeah. one second, I would like to air grievances. Though you said it's a dollar, the Pullman McDonald's, however, is more than a dollar for yeah. chicken. It's pretty much the dollar well, menu is pretty much non-existent. Yeah, dollar twenty-nine, bastards. But just a Sunday morning, or really, it would be a Saturday morning. We would probably go to McDonald's Sundays. We were always going to Super China. Yes, or uh, the Rocky Mountain, or whatever it's called. Rocky Mountain Oysters, yep. 
I, I forget. That. I literally forgot the name of that restaurant. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> Smoky Mountain. Smoky, Smoky Mountain. 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 Rocky Mountain oysters. <laughs> Those were the days. That was. Uh... I was really surprised. I'm, well, I'm not surprised with Zach's sandwiches. He was eating privileged sandwiches growing up. I guess <laughs> Zach's was very. <laughs> They were so distinct. Whoa, whoa. What, what do you mean privileged sandwiches? There's nothing privileged about a hot pastrami. That's just a, that's a East Coast classic. Zach is like, oh, yes, my boss took us out to lunch today at the top of the Space Needle, and I ordered a pastrami on rye. There was, there was definitely no sandwich on my list that's something I would even attempt to make at home. <laughs> I'm surprised none of you guys said a filet of fish I would have <laughs> instantly gotten off if one of you guys said that. Is LeBron James a cheater?